On the Choose to Think podcast, I will encourage and empower you to engage and optimize your best thought life in practical, meaningful ways so that you can live day by day in joy, peace, and God's purpose despite all externals. This is Victoria, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Choose to Think podcast. If you're new here, I'm so glad to have you. If you are a returning brain changer, welcome and thank you for coming back and for tuning in again. I know you're busy and have a gazillion things on your get to do list, but it is just such a privilege and an honor for me that you're willing to take a little bit of time out of your day and say, hey, I'm going to go over there and tune in and see what Victoria is chatting about this week. So thank you so much. We do drop episodes every Monday and every Thursday. And the, the episodes on Monday are a little bit more organic and not planned out so well. And I have been doing a series of mindsets and then we switched over to reframes. So we take a toxic thought or a question or some little single one-liner and we try to reframe it. We try to break it apart and consider what it is that we're really saying when we engage that particular thought. So the actual reframe for for this episode is, does God really see me? And just kind of let that wash over you for a second. We've all probably thought that. Does God really see me? Does he really care about me? Does he really know that I'm here? And does he hear me? Does God hear me? And those senses like hearing and seeing kind of what they boil down to really is does he know anything about me does he really care and is he concerned about the things I'm concerned about and so we know that it's true that we know that God is omniscient he's all-knowing and he's also omnipresent which means he's present everywhere his Holy Spirit as born-again believers his Holy Spirit resides in us and dwells within us he tabernacles with us so to speak so we know he's with us 24 7 so to even have the thought that does he really hear me does he really see me those types of questions we, we probably want to consider why we're having that, why we're engaging that particular thought. And it may be that we feel alone or maybe we feel like we're, we're not getting the attention that we desire. Maybe it's that we've, we feel like we're spending ourselves work, quote, working for the Lord, but it's just not paying off. Obviously, we know there are issues with even what I just said, but because I've been one to strive and to work and feel like I'm going to, okay, Lord, I've done all this for you and for for your kingdom, so, okay, you owe me. Almost like I keep him in debt sometimes based on my, what I think of as good works, and we know the Bible says, Mm-mm, there aren't any good works out there. They're all kind of like filthy rags in comparison with, with God, but Anyway, I, I love the passage in Genesis where God is uh, actually 
it was Abraham and Sarah, and you remember that Sarah had a maidservant named Hagar. And sometimes we get God's names at particular time, like God has a name revealed when something pivotal or important really happens. And the individuals who experience that encounter with God, they say, oh God, you are the God who, and then fill in the blank. It's based on that experience that's just happened. And so we find a passage in in Genesis, and this is Genesis 16. And, and I'm looking at roundabout Genesis 16, I don't have my reading glasses, 13 I think it is, and it was all about Hagar. Hagar was the the maidservant of Sarah, and, and so Sarah was having trouble conceiving, and so she allowed her maidservant to sleep with her husband Abraham, and I mean that's just was commonly done so that they could bear children to continue the line and the, the lineage, and Yes, it was disgraceful not to be able to bear children during that time. And at any rate, Hagar did bear Abraham a child, and his name was Ishmael. And there was a point where as he was growing and maturing that um, that Sarah still didn't quite like that. And so even though she did go on to have another child named um, Isaac, but she wanted to send Hagar off as well as Ishmael and she wanted them gone and no more attention for for her husband Abraham to be given that way and she was seemed you know she she struggled with that like any of us probably would and so she bid them to leave and Abraham also put his seal of approval on that you know just at least superficially and and off they went, and they went into the desert place. Genesis 16 is actually giving some of the the information, the backstory on it, where it says the angel of the Lord said to her, talking about Hagar, "Behold, you are pregnant, and you will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction." So there's one thing right there. Even you know, this is Hagar, and she's she's being told that she that God heard her. And God heard her specifically, he heard her affliction. It goes on to say in the passage, but he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live in defiance of all his brothers. And then it says this, then she, talking about Hagar, she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees me. For she said, have, have I even seen him here and lived after he saw me? And so this was when she was off in the desert and there was a point where there was no food, no water, and it was, I'm sure, hot. And and she decided that she just needed to put her little her boy down, like, okay, you go over here and stay and just sit like under this bush or something. And I'm going to go over here. She separated herself from her son, I guess she couldn't bear to know that he was going to die right before her eyes. But instead, what happened was this miracle. There was a well there, and that's what it's talking about now. Hagar says, because God saved them, saved Hagar and saved her son Ishmael. 
and in a, in a, in a miraculous way. And so she said, she said that you are a God who sees me. And therefore the well was called um, Bir Laharoi, like El, El Roy, um, Jehovah Roy, which means um, the God who sees. That word in Hebrew means the God who sees. So Hagar bore a son to Abram, and Abram named his son to whom, oh, you know what? I'm actually reading now that I'm looking at this. I had just gone to my, I use the blue letter Bible. No wonder this was seeming to be kind of odd to me. This is the prophetic. This is the angel talking to her. And, and yeah, I kind of skimmed over that. So, so what's happening here was the, the prophetic utterance and, and so exactly as the angel said it, she did get pregnant. And then, and, and then it was later, years later, um, perhaps, that, that they were kind of banished, that Hagar and her son Ishmael were banished and they went away. But already, it's so curious, I'm so glad that I read this, that she already had the sense of, you are a God who sees me. I always felt sorry for her, though. My personal opinion, even... Even though I totally understood what Sarah was going through. I mean, her husband slept with another woman and that woman got pregnant. But gee, he slept with me and I can't get pregnant. That sort of thing. And that, that kind of, I would really struggle with that kind of marital setup and maid servants and stuff like that. Let me just tell it like it is. That would not do for me. For whatever reason, I, I felt, I've always felt sorry for Hagar going out into the desert and having to, you know, kind of be banished, leave where, you know, where, she, what she's known and, and then have to face death and watching her actually watching her her son potentially die so it just sounds so difficult and but she said she in that kind of pain and in that distress she was able to say but wait a minute you are a God who sees me because God provided for her in the wilderness just like he provided for Isaac when he was to sacrifice his I'm sorry, for Abraham when he was to sacrifice his son Isaac. God provides. He's Jehovah Jireh. There's so many names in the Old Testament. They're called the names of God. And a lot of them start with like Jehovah or God or Lord, that sort of thing. And then they have another descriptive word, another noun associated with them. And often it's a, even a verb. And and so Jehovah Jireh is my provider. I always could remember that because it rhymes. Jira and provider and Jehovah Roy because I don't know how I remember that that's a God who sees I'm trying to think of an analogy I do all these little tricks because you know even with Spanish sometimes I'm looking at the Greek and Hebrew and I'm like okay I know Spanish and I know English and so somewhere in there I can get a connection but um, at any rate I was always able to remember that one also so Okay, so let's say we have this thought, I don't feel seen, I don't feel heard, God doesn't know where I am. It's actually an outright lie. Sometimes we engage thoughts that we can't really say are lies and they're toxic, but this one in particular really is a toxic thought to say God doesn't see me, God doesn't hear me, 
God doesn't know what I'm going through. God doesn't care about me. It, those are outright lies. And we know about renewing our minds and taking thoughts captive. <clears throat> captive, excuse me. We know that it's important to do that and to isolate what the real issue is. And it may be that we take that toxic thought, God doesn't hear me, God doesn't see me, and we, we unwind it, and we unravel it, and we back it up to what it is that we're really, really trying to say. Maybe we feel unworthy of His love. And if we, if it, you know, here's the thing. It's not enough to say, God, I know you see me. God, I know you see me. God, you see me. God, you hear me. God, you love me. And just repeat those and suddenly, oh, I feel so much better now. At least it hasn't worked for me that way. Because in our brains, what those thoughts that fire together, wire together, they say. And so being that our brains are neuroplastic, it's the best news that we, we could ever have that our minds are really made up of thoughts and our thoughts in our mind influences our brain literally. So this is such good news for us because we can back up that train and say, hold on, you know, we can also confess areas of doubt or unbelief that we may have and ask God to help us with those. For example, if we think God doesn't love us or that we're not worthy of his love, we can confess that to him and tell him that. He already knows it. But we it's not this being transformed through the renewing of your mind is not about affirmations necessarily. Yes, we need to know who God says he is, his names, like he's a God who sees. That's one thing. We need to know who God is and what he says about himself. We know need to know what God says about us and and the identity that we have in Christ and and just by virtue of what God has done. We need to know who he says we are. And then finally, we also need to know what he says about the scenario that we're in or the situation or the desert or the the hardship, the wilderness, we need to know what his perspective is on all of those things. So when we can reframe our thoughts in that way, and if we have an area of, of doubt or unbelief or, oh, Rico, here's Rico. Oh, come here. Oh, I wish that, you ever wish your dogs could say, hi, hello. Here he is. So I have to tell you about Rico while I'm holding him is that I cut his hair and it's like he's a, you know, he's like a Maltese Yorkie mix and they apparently have really long hair, but I like mutt kind of looking dogs. I like misshapen, like not perfect things, like not my perfect little Rico with, you know, painted claws or toenails or whatever and bows and I don't mind putting a bow or not a bow but I guess a you know like a bandana around his neck that's fun my sister watched Rico at one point and she took so many pictures of they were just darling of him with she had fun putting a bandana around his neck and I'm like oh my gosh he's the cutest little dog and but I'm so much more like oh that's okay I'll just whatever Rico you know and so I cut his hair and it's uneven and it's not long. I just don't, I like this little, I don't know, mutt-like look. To me, that is just so daggone darling. And I love that. I It wouldn't do for me to have like some purebred dog with, 
like a show dog or something. It just doesn't suit me. But anyway, he's just, that's how he looks today because I just cut his hair and I whacked it. And I just whack it. And he was so kind and sweet when I was doing that. And you know what, Rico? I saw you. I see you. <laughs> I wish he could pipe up here and say something. He's like, yeah, I see you. And, um, and he wants to lick me. But anyway, you know, we, we when we have, when we don't believe what it is that God says, then we just need to tell him because he knows anyway. It's just like that father who took his son to Jesus who needed healing. And, and he said, Jesus, you know, can you heal my kid, basically? And Jesus said, can I? As if, you know, like, what are you talking about? Of course I can. But he knew that Jesus's you know, his stunning response there was, was to indicate to this man that, look, I know what's going on in your heart right now, and you want to confess that unbelief, and that's exactly what he did. And so the father then said, wait, I believe, help me with my unbelief. So if you're struggling feeling not seen or not heard or unimportant or unloved or not worthy, and and it's not enough for you just to say, well, God's word says this, and I, but I don't believe it. Then the starting point for you would be to ask God to reveal this truth to you in ways that you would accept as believable and, and that would really um, impact you and heal that area of unbelief that you may have in your heart. And he will do it. I've done it a gazillion times because I haven't really believed certain things that he said, and I've had to con confess those to him and then ask him to help me with that area of unbelief where I don't believe what his word says about me or my situation or about himself. So that would be another thing that we can do. And I can't quite find off the cuff here that where Hagar is actually put into the, into the desert, but into the wilderness, but just take heart. I hope you take heart knowing that God he sees you, and yes, he's omnipresent, so it's kind of sort of spiritually literal. Can we say that? Does that even make sense? But it's he sees you in that aspect because he's omnipresent, and he's all-knowing, and he's everywhere. He can hear and see and in that spiritual sense, but if you struggle with that, then the it would be just an issue of of letting him inviting him into the process of reframing that thought and replacing it with his truth in a way that is meaningful and truthful and that you actually believe and over time that's what will happen and then when you notice that thought creeping up again, you're going to be able to say, mm -mm, I'm not going there. Because when I engage that thought and energize that thought that God doesn't hear me, he doesn't see me, then that takes, that takes you down to a path where there's really no good end. So why not put the brakes on that, you know, like delete and paste. Delete that old toxic thought and replace it with what God says and and then what happens is that your neuroplastic brain your brain is beginning to be influenced by the thoughts that you do engage and you've got a new groove forming or a new way to like I've heard people say it's like sliding down a, a snow-covered hill you know on a sled and the first time it's you may bump all over the place but the it naturally goes to where the 
you know, carries your body down on this sled, you've got weight to your, you know, there's your weight on the sled and it kind of goes down and takes that path of least resistance as it goes. And then the second time you do it, it gets easier and easier and easier and easier because that groove is being formed. And that's exactly what happens with our mind. So we can actually take those thoughts captive. That's coming from 2 Corinthians. And especially when they're outright lies. Some thoughts that we have, we can't necessarily say, oh, that's a good thought, bad thought, because they're kind of benign. Like, for example, I don't want to go to the party. Just using that as an example. There's nothing toxic about that necessarily, but it, you know, it, it can gravitate or it can it could pull other thoughts to it that may at some point become toxic that's why it's just so important that we recognize what we're thinking about and we think about what we're thinking about but all this to say you get get your thumb on the, on your heart the heartbeat of your thoughts the heartbeat of your mind and start thinking about what you're thinking about all those thoughts that we've been reframing over the last month or so um, the encouragement there is to use those seven R's that I teach, but recognize what you're thinking about, reject the lie, or resist a thought that takes you to the in the wrong direction or that is contrary to what God says about Himself, His Word, about in His Word, about what He says about you and what He says about this situation. Replace it with God honoring, truth filled thoughts, and then repeat. All right, we got to repeat that. It's not a once and done. It takes um, discipline. I call it the discipline, the art of taking thoughts captive. And then from there, we after we repeat that, then what we notice is happening is that our mind is being renewed. We are being transformed through the, by the renewing of our mind. And that's the fifth R, that renewal process. And we can kind of rejoice because there'll come a day if you do this process repeatedly, you're like, wow, I'm coming somewhere. This is actually working. And you'll realize it. And you'll realize that those old thoughts that used to plague you and lead you to a dead end, you're so quick to recognize them and to reject them and replace them with the truth. It just becomes second nature to you. It's like you've been down down the, the hill, the snow-covered hill, so many times that it's so easy. You just glide into the direction of light and life and energy and, and love and what God says. And so it's a nice setup there. And then finally, the last couple of steps in this 7-hour process would be to rely on God for all of this. Yeah, you're 100% responsible for what you're thinking about. and you're. But God is also 100% responsible for all the healing. And that comes in His good time and in His good way. But just know that that He's with you in this and that he you sometimes you can borrow the faith of a friend if you don't think if you're feeling all alone for example you can borrow my faith on this one because i'm telling you you're not alone god says he will never leave or forsake you he is a god who sees you he's a god who hears you he's a god who numbers the hairs on your head he has your name engraved on his hand and he knows you by name. He formed you in your mother's womb. And these things are magnificent. Even as I'm saying them, they're just so amazing. And furthermore, he proved it. He proved it by sacrificing his son, allowing his son to take the weight of the world upon his shoulders and the sin of mankind, humankind. And 
to die on our behalf, to be found culpable and guilty when he was innocent, but to take that so that we could be made righteous, that we could be holy and pure. So, I mean, that in and of itself melts my heart. And I, I just well up with such gratitude over what he's done and how he's done that and the extent that he went to prove to you and to me just how much he loves us. And the last R is just to rest. Rest knowing that that he loves you so much and this is what he did and he will take care of all the, the healing. And, and then as you're resting, you're going to be so grateful. So you can give thanks in everything. With a joyful heart, you can shout his name. That God who sees. You can shout that from the mountaintops. And share your testimony with others who may need that encouragement. So that's what I have for us tonight or today, whenever you may be listening at this moment, about the the thought and reframing the thought that, you know, does God really see me? Does he really hear me? And the resounding answer is yes. And he even demonstrated just how much he cares for you by giving his son. So God bless you and Until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao. And that's a wrap, Brain Changer. Thank you so much for tuning in. And say, if you like what you hear, please consider sharing this link to the show with a friend or a family member who you think might be encouraged by the inspiring and hope-filled messages that I try to put out every single week. So thank you so much for your support. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.